please be seated. Two thousand years ago, Jesus asked his disciples on the road to Caesarea Philippi. He'd just come from healing a blind man at Bethsaida, where the disciples had, the fishermen had at least uh, hailed from. And on that road to Caesarea Philippi, he asks this question. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Because he asks the same question of each and every one of us 2,000 years later. Who do you say that I am? But before he asks that question, he sets the stage. He asks them, first of all, Who do people say that I am? Who do others out there say that I am? Who do the crowds following along after us who have seen the miracles, who have heard the teaching, who do they say that I am? The question for us is also likewise, who do the people, who does culture, who's our current culture, the milieu in which we live, Who do they say Jesus is? It's important to answer that question first because we need to struggle with that. How is he known out there? How is he known in the media? What kind of image of Jesus is portrayed by the media, by those in our family, our friends who maybe are not Christians or um, are in different denominations or who do our fellow, the people who we work with, who do they say that Jesus is? Because we need to wrestle with that question before we can crystallize in our minds truly our own answer to the question of Who do you say that I am? So Jesus asks this question to the disciples. Who do people say that I am? Do you notice what the responses were? It all comes back to some kind or shape of prophet. John the Baptist was considered a prophet who had come after... uh, hundreds of years of no prophets in the land but the people considered John the Baptist a prophet so he's a prophet like John the Baptist you're a prophet they say like Elijah one of the great prophets or one of the other prophets but you'll notice that the theme is the same a prophet Well, what did that mean for the people of the time? If we look back on the Old Testament prophets, they're very solitary people. They also don't mince any words. Neither did John the Baptist. He called people to repentance because he revealed clearly that they were all sinners in need of repentance. So, This is not a Jesus meek and mild that people are necessarily seeing. They've seen, yes, his compassionate heart because he's been healing people. They have heard his amazing message. 
But the description of who he is is a prophet who is calling people to recognize the sinfulness of their nature and therefore to repent of it. He is a prophet. And we hear, where do they get this? We, we hear this when he calls the Pharisees whitewashed sepulchers. He takes a whip to the money changers in the temple and overturns the tables. He says to the teachers of the law that there will be severe punishment for them because they are leading the people away from the truth of the God of love. And they're creating all of these mini rules, these multitude of small rules that they have to follow. He curses a fig tree as a metaphor because it has not borne fruit, as a metaphor for those who are the teachers who should be bearing fruit in the kingdom for the people and are instead boundarying in God's people and not extending the message out, the message of God's love. And then there are times he gets a little bit snippy with the disciples. He says, are you so dull? Are you so dull? He's talking about yeast and the yeast of the Pharisees and they're thinking bread, right? Food. And he's going, are you so dull? It is from a person's heart that evil thoughts come. He's talking about not the food that enters our mouths but what comes up out of the heart. Uh, things that are echoed later on in James's letter, that portion of which was read today, that it is the tongue, and the tongue speaks what is found in the heart. So people say, you're a prophet, say the disciples. What do people today say? Who do people today say that Jesus is? Well, some people say that he's a prophet. In fact, 600 years after his death, resurrection, and ascension, Muhammad said just that. In fact, it's included in the Quran that Jesus is a prophet, nothing more. He is a prophet, Isa, mentioned in the Quran. Of course, Muhammad also calls himself a prophet. Others will say that he's an amazing teacher. He's a really profoundly good teacher because he teaches a way, a moral and ethical way of being that is astounding. But he's just a good teacher. He's a great teacher. But that's all that he is. You may be familiar with C.S. Lewis's response to that. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. They say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing, Lewis says, we must not say. 
A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So who do people say that Jesus is? He's a prophet, a human great moral teacher. In some parts of um, Christianity even, he is regarded more like a genie that you can take out and rub that bottle and come out and he can come out like a superman on call. It's if I name it and I claim it, then God will do it according to my will. If I name what I want and claim that that God's going to do it, then he will do it. That's a manipulation. That's almost seeing the divine as a magician, as magic, that we can somehow manipulate It also has another name, the prosperity gospel, where God is in the business of making us healthy, wealthy, and wise. As opposed to us being completely submitted to God because he is God, not because of what we want to get out of God. Again, C.S. Lewis In the Chronicles of Narnia, you might remember the four children, the Pevensey children, have made their way through the wardrobe into the land of Narnia where it's under the thrall of the white witch, so it's always winter and never Christmas. And they come upon Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, who are the image of the early Christians underground. And Mrs. Beaver says, Aslan is on the move. And Susan, the oldest of the two girls, says, Who is Aslan? And Mrs. Beaver says, Oh, he's the great lion. He's the great lion. And he is going to come and overcome the white witch. And Susan says, Oh, a lion? Is he safe? And Mrs. Beaver says, Oh, no, dearie, he's not safe, but he is good. Do we trust the God who we can't box in, who we cannot make safe, but who we know is good? He is good. So who do people say that I am? He hasn't responded to the disciples where you're a prophet, either Elijah or John the Baptist or one of the other prophets. He hasn't responded to to that. He asks instead, then who do you say that I am? 
And Peter has this epiphany moment on the way to Caesarea Philippi. And he says, you are the Messiah. Now he doesn't understand that to mean that Jesus is God at this point in time. Mark, who's telling the story, of course knows that. And Peter will know that. But at this point in time, the light's gone on for him. You are who the prophets talked about. You are the one who's been promised. You are great David's greater son. You are the king who will come in and who will turn away the Romans, who will kick them out of our country because David's rule was the golden rule. All of the nations around were subdued under David and under his son Solomon who was known far and wide for his wisdom who built that amazing temple on the hill of Jerusalem so that all who came were blinded by its sight and its majesty. This is the kingdom. This is what we're going to reclaim and you're that Messiah. See, this is the pivot point for Mark and his story. Because Jesus came to die. He knew He always came to die. It didn't take him by surprise. He knew that. And he needs to, for the disciples to start to understand that his messiahship is not what they think it's going to be. He's not going to expel the Romans at the point of a sword. In fact, he's going to die at their hand. He says, The Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. And Peter just can't shift the paradigm. No. You're going to be the Messiah. You cannot die. That's not what happens to the Messiah. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Don't tempt me with this, for I have come to die. I am the King of Kings. I have brought in the kingdom. The kingdom is coming in with Jesus. He has brought in the kingdom, but it doesn't look like David's kingdom. It doesn't look like Solomon's kingdom. It doesn't look like any earthly kingdom. It comes in to bring justice. It comes in to bring healing to people and nations. It comes in to cast out darkness. And it came in with Jesus to still the raging waters to calm. But the fullness of that kingdom will only start to flood the earth 
after his death. Paradoxically, he dies to bring in his kingdom. So there's this dawning with Peter. Who do you say that I am? You're the Messiah. And Jesus says to each and every one of us, Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? See, we have the full witness. We have the full testimony. We have the fullness of which Peter would not know until after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. We know that. So the question to us is, with all of that witness, who do you say that I am. Now we can go to a concordance in a Bible. Most Bibles have concordances now. And we can go through a whole list of descriptions of who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. He is the Lamb who was slain. He is the great physician. He is Lord. He is Christ. He is the anointed one. He is the Savior. He is the Redeemer of the world. He is the King of kings. The list goes on. We can read those words. We can say them with our mouths. But Jesus asks... Who do you say in your heart that I am? Who will you say that I am? We need to witness to who he has become for us, who he says he is in his word, the person who leaps off the pages of Scripture to us. We need to wrestle with what the world says and then go back to who we find in the pages of Scripture and where they don't match up, who trumps who? What the world says or what God says about himself? Who do you say that I am? He is prophet. He is great teacher, but he is so much more than that. He is the suffering servant saviour, who we hear about in Isaiah, the third of the servant songs in Isaiah, the one who gave his back to those who struck him and his cheeks to those who pulled out his beard and who did not hide his face from insult and spitting, who walked towards a torturous death for each and every one of us instead of away from it. And if we call him Lord, then we are to be more than just cross wearers. We are to be cross-bearers. For Jesus says, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. This is God himself who makes himself known to us in Jesus 
of Nazareth, who appears as a fragile baby, who grows up to go to his death for us. And that's how we get to know who God is through Jesus and so if we do call him Lord if we acknowledge that he is Lord that he is the king of kings then we cannot hide our faith and we have to subject all of who we are to him See, I grew up in a country where we have a democratic monarchy. That's very different than this kind of monarchy. The monarchy, the highest of highest, the king, because we still have democratic rule. We have a monarch, but we have democratic rule. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. He is king of kings. If he is Lord, then there is no other We are not Lord. We are not Lord of our lives. We are not Lord of anything. He is Lord. And if our answer to his question, who do you say that I am, is that you are God and Lord, then all of us is completely submitted to him. Jesus says, Those who lose their life for my sake, for the sake of the gospel, will save it. We find life in giving it over to him, in making him truly the head of all that we are, submitting ourselves, letting go of all of ourselves, letting him fill us with himself. Letting him be in control of our lives. Going always to him for the first word back to us. Should I do this, Lord? Should I go here, Lord? I am submitted to you, Lord. If we call him Lord, let it truly mean what it means that he is the head of all that we are. If we call him Lord then we cannot hide our faith. We cannot be ashamed to be his followers. Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. See, to follow him What is our answer to his question? Who do you say that I am? Because if we say he is God, come in human form. If we say he is king of kings, if we say he is prophet and teacher, if we say he is our savior, it's not just that we've moved from darkness into light. It's that we are continuing to be his servants. We are continuing in a journey of transformation. We can't follow him and follow the world. It's what James is saying. You can't have brackish water and clean water coming out of the same spigot. The brackish water 
will make the clean water brackish. If we say that he is Lord, then we can't have mixed alliances. We can't ally ourselves with the world and ally ourselves with him. We have to be all in. We can't be half disciples. We have to step completely into full discipleship. See, it's risky business to answer that question. Who do you say that I am? If he is Messiah and Lord, we can't take the pieces of his word that we're comfortable with and discount all the rest. Well, I, I don't really want to deal with that and I don't, I don't really agree with that. I, I, I. See, it's he, he, he. Who do you say that I am? If I am Lord, then this is my word. All of it is my word. And so, if we answer in the affirmative, we must be the people not who curse and bless out of our mouths, like Jesus said, that evil comes out of the heart of the person. From us must come he himself. Jesus, transformed into the likeness of him who we acknowledge as our Lord and Savior, for that's the work of the Holy Spirit within us, so that we don't become a people who curse with one side of our mouths and bless with the other, but that we're a blessing people. So the question is, Jesus asks, who do you say that I am because I've come to set you free I've come for you I've died for you I love you who do you say that I am Amen